Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. Join host Liz Myers and her guests as they explore resiliency through the lens of personal stories. Tune in weekly for inspiration and doable life hacks to overcome adversity and thrive in life. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. Welcome back to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Myers, and I'm so excited to be here today with fellow author and friend, another Elizabeth, Elizabeth Brown. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Liz. It's good to have you. Um, She is the author of two books, Unwanted Confessions Confirmed and Sour Lemonade, that have both just come out together in the past year. So congratulations. That is great. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited about them. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what your what your books are about. Well, Unwanted Confessions Confirmed is the story of a young girl that's been tested with triumph, tragedy, knowledge, morals, values, and confessions. And in that book of poems, you will find addiction, you will find neglect, you'll find abuse, you'll find happy, happy moments, but a lot of it is confusion. And it's just finding your place in that book. Mm -hmm. And in that that portion of my life. I was a younger girl, you know, trying to find my place and trying to be something, you know, be something that I didn't know I could be. Yeah. And so that's what that book is about. Mm -hmm. And then Sour Lemonade. This book is a constant reminder of keeping your loved ones close, regaining power and strength within yourself. So it's like after I had gone through so, uh, so much turmoil and, you know, just being confused in my life and things, I had to find a way to gain my voice back. And, you know, I was having a lot of deaths in my family and, you know, they wanted me to write poetry for my deceased family members. And that Mm -hmm. was really tough for me. And so I thought that maybe I would put it down in poetry and, you know, maybe it will help others to feel close to the Mm -hmm. ones that they've lost. Mm -hmm. And to know that just because we don't talk to them every day, or just because they don't come in our dreams or just because we don't celebrate their life every day does not mean that you forgot about them. Mm-hmm. And so that book is a constant reminder of just keeping those people close to you, just knowing that they're in your heart. And that's really important. The memories yeah. are important. Yeah, that's beautiful. So these are points that you wrote at different points in your life as you were going through things and you've just collected them and compiled them together. Yes. So unwanted awesome. confessions confirm, like I said, it, it, it stems mm-hmm. from me as a young girl and growing up and I started writing poetry again in 2006. And so if we want to say, so Unwanted Confessions Confirmed is the first book because Mm -hmm. of the events that happened in my life and then comes Sour Lemonade. But 2006, which is the poem, The Perfect Garden in Sour Lemonade is when I started writing again. Okay. So you took a break there. between. I mean, I guess we can say a break, but it was a state of confusion again. Uh, It was, so I wrote poetry um, when I was younger and like up until the seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And then I had some, uh, some life changes and some family Mm -hmm. changes and things. And I lost all of my poetry. It was thrown away or whatever Mm -hmm. happened to it, but it was lost. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I, I just felt like poetry wasn't for me at that point. I felt like there was nothing, um, that, poetry helped me with. I I wasn't sure that that was my journey. I wasn't sure that that's what God called me to do. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Then in 2006, when my grandmother moved away and 
I had finals that that day and I got the phone call and I had to drop everything, you know, just really abruptly. And Mm -hmm. most of my professors were okay with it, but it was one professor that I'll never forget. And it was an English professor. And he told me, I don't care about your grandmother's funeral. You need to have that essay done by X amount of time or such and such day. Mm. At that moment, I felt like no one understood what I felt like on the inside. I was infuriated. I was livid. Mm -hmm. I was hurt. I didn't understand, you know, and so poetry was my outlet. And that first poem for my grandmother was where I could speak. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was spoken about the loss for her, but I felt so many other emotions. Yeah. I can imagine. It just, it sounds like, you know, I can just hear in your voice that that, that poem was just fueled by the passion of the love you have for her. And then the, just the rude disregard that this teacher had for her life and for your situation. And I couldn't uh, believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, are you serious? And being that it's my first, you know, it was my first time in college, you know, Mm -hmm. so I don't really know anything. I'm just trying to get my good grades so that I can graduate. Yeah. You know, I attempted, I, before I wrote a po- my grandmother's poem, I attempted to do this paper, mm. you know, and it took something in me to realize that first off, no one talks to you like that. Yeah. Second off, you're not in the wrong. And so then I wrote my g- grandmother's poem later on that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I switched classes. <laughs> I was going to say, so what, what happened with the essay? Did you... Give it I, an never, appointment I, never, instead. I never completed it. Yeah, I never yeah. completed it. I never submitted it. I just, you know, I felt like there's one or two things that could happen. I could have handled the situation negatively, or I could have handled it exactly how I handled it, which was fail the class, take another class. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, there's just so many powerful things in that story that are hitting me of, you know, this, this professor wanted you to write one thing, but it, it sounds to me like God had it in your heart. He's like, no, baby, I want you to write something else. I want you to you write know? something else. And, yeah. and you know, truthfully writing that poem for my grandmother's funeral. I first off, Liz, I've been so scared of funerals. Mm. I've been so scared. It's just always terrified me. And something I've always said was I'm going to go to my grandmother's funeral. And that's it. Mm. Well, since I wrote that poem, I've been writing poems for every single one of my family members that has passed away. Wow. What a legacy. People love my work, but they don't understand how hurtful it is to have Mm. to sit and write for this person that I haven't even grieved over yet. Right. That's got to be emotionally draining for you to pour all that. (laughs) Sometimes I don't write the the poem until the the morning of the funeral like seriously because that's when it'll come to me that's Mm. when the words will come to me and if it's not if it's not there in my mind already then I just struggle with it because I'm thinking about you know how I lost this person you know I'm thinking about why did this happen I'm thinking about how I want to spend just one more moment with that person Mm. and I did watch your podcast when you were speaking about, I hope it's okay to speak mm-hmm. about like um, yeah. your, your personal situation mm-hmm. that you said on a podcast and sure. it was about miscarriages. Mm-hmm. That really struck for me because in, I'll just run down really quick since we're talking about the poems mm-hmm. and the, the deaths of the poems that I've written. So in 2007, 2016, I lost my cousin 
2017, I lost my sister. 2018, I lost my baby and my mom. 2019, I lost my grandpa. 2020, I lost my cousin to COVID. And when you were just speaking about your your miscarriages that you had, that's the second one that I've had. And so mm-hmm. dealing with that on top of dealing with death after death after yeah, death, that's a lot. I don't think anyone truly understood the amount of pain that I was in. Mm. Yeah. And the amount of pain that I'm still in currently, I mean, I don't mm. want to give it off as the pain has come and it's just disappeared because it hasn't. Yeah, it's definitely a process. I, I read something once that stuck with me about describing grief and it, and it described it as, you know, at first it's like this boulder that crushes you and you carry this through life and slowly, you know, it gets worn down you know, to where it becomes a smaller rock or a pebble that's been worn smooth and it's in your pocket, but it's always there. It, it never disappears, never goes away. You know, you always have, you know, that connection, that bond with that, with that person. But I, that, that is a lot that you have been through and, to, and then to have those build upon each other. Are you able, do you read the poems out loud during the funeral? Oh, absolutely. Or, I, you know. I, I was hoping at some point you would give me a chance to read some well, of my work. I, was, from- I wanted to ask you to read one, but I wasn't sure if you were like more into the, the speaking of them or if you would rather just have them read because I, you know, no, I, know I, I want people to feel what I felt, you know, yeah. and maybe everybody won't you know, and that's okay. That is okay. Mm-hmm. Because that's what my books are for. Right. Some people will understand some people won't understand. And that's all right. Mm-hmm. I also consider my books to be self healing books. The reason I say self healing is because I think that if you really read the poem, and you analyze it, and then you go and, and you see some of my positive quotes and things that I have throughout the book, and then mm-hmm. directly in unwanted confessions confirmed, it's a repeated daily It says, I am not my skin. My body is not my job. The little me is not me. Blank is me. My self-worth matters. I am control of my actions. Today, I choose to be happy and no one can take that from me. Mm. And then these pieces here says, which piece to your puzzle is missing? And I know that everyone who reads these books, or not even everyone who reads these books, just everyone in life has a piece of a puzzle mm-hmm. that's missing, mm-hmm. whether it's a loved one that's lost, whether it's a baby that's lost, whether it's a, a job that you really, really want it to keep, mm-hmm. you know, everyone is missing something, a piece to their puzzle. And so yeah. that's why I consider my books to be self-help books, mm. because if you read the work, you understand it and you see what I went through that could or could not apply to mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. How you make that kind of applicable and then people take that and think about their own life. You know, they're, uh, you're exactly right. Grief can take on so many forms. It doesn't have to just be the death of a loved one. There's a lot of things in life that we grieve over and we need to allow ourselves the freedom to go through that process. Uh, that's yeah. part of my story is I tried to stuff it and that doesn't, that's not the road to healing. I love how you're able to express, you know, what you're feeling poetic. So that, it, it does that feel like an, an outlet for you? Though that feels like an outlet for you as a way to process what you're feeling that that's the only outlet I have. Mm. Truthfully, a lot of people think, you know, or a lot of people have family as outlets and they have friends as outlets and things like that. Poetry is my outlet. Mm. That's, that's the one thing that I can talk to that Mm -hmm. can not, it can't speak back. It can't give advice. 
But what it can do is help me to get every single thought that I have, you know, the, the hundred mm-hmm. millions of thoughts that I have per second running through my brain. Yeah. It helps me to put it on paper, go back and read it, understand mm-hmm. where I was at at that point mm-hmm. and to either change it or just reflect on it and then change it to make it a better, you know, a better mm-hmm. outcome of whatever it was. Right. Like I right. said, whether it was a job or what have you. And so yeah, I've yeah, had that experience with reading, either reading books or poetry or sometimes with songs and music of where somebody expresses something I'm feeling, but they put it into the words that I couldn't find yet. And that's so helpful when somebody gives you the words to express the Psalms, for example, in the Bible are beautiful example of that. You know, they have them for every imaginable emotion. And so exactly. you know, sometimes when I can't think of how to express myself or what it is I want to pray, you know, I just use that. But but I love that God's given you that gift to put these strong, big things into words and, and to help others to process through their grief. Well, absolutely. And, their- and it, it's brought me so far to the point that I'm changing up my style a little bit. And I'm changing up my style because I've grown. It's a growth process. Mm-hmm. And now in my poetry, I'm talking a little bit more about God in, in poetry that's not in these books. I talk mm-hmm. about God in these books. You mm-hmm. know, I, I quite frankly think I talk about God a lot in these books. You know, mm-hmm. just he's 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 the main source of my life. Mm-hmm. And so the new poetry I'm, I'm writing is just how I'm actually asking God and I'm, I'm begging on my knees and I'm praying to God, which people don't speak. People mm. think you have this glamorous life, you're an author, or you're a podcast host, or you're this or you're that, and it just fell out the sky. Mm. Well, now I want people to know that, yes, in fact, I do still struggle, but I have this higher being yeah. on my side, and I truly 1,000% believe that. And so now I'm going to express to you all how he's treated me, how he's yeah. shown me differently, how I've grown from the last poems that mm. you've read. Yeah, that's beautiful. Like you're showing people this is where the strength comes from. Because I, you know, I listened to you describe the last few years and I'm like, wow, what a, what a strong, incredible woman that you can go through all this tragedy and loss and not just survive, but but to thrive and to help others to process what they're going through too. And so now, you know, what you're describing now is like, ah, this is the secret sauce behind what you're doing is like, this is how you have become that woman. I love that. And I still didn't, you know, um, I, it wasn't my goal to be an author. That wasn't my end goal at all. My yeah. end goal was to just write, continue to write and continue to put my paper, my feelings on paper or in my mm-hmm. phone or whichever. Cause I write stuff every, I mean, I have so many little note cards <laughs> with, <laughs> with things all over them, yeah. but uh, being a, a author wasn't it until last year. Some friends were like, man, this work is really good. I think that you could really put it into a book. And like I said, it, the, the two books, I want to confession confirmed and sour lemonade are a transition. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to make them very thick. If I yeah. made them very thick, I don't feel like what I was trying to do, which was help people help themselves. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have gotten that message. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's wise of you. Cause I, you know, when people are in a struggling situation, they don't necessarily have time to read a lot, but if somebody hands you, you know, a, a, more of a bite-sized thing, I think that would be easier for someone who's in that situation to, to accept, to receive and to embrace. Well, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like. I I like when people take it in and apply it to their life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
Which poem oh, that you've written is your is your favorite one? Is it that one that that sparked it about your your grandmother, or is there a new one, or is it like, am I asking you to choose between your kids and they're all favorites? <laughs> <laughs> you asked me to choose between my kids and they're all favorites. Okay. Yeah, um, no, I have a I have a couple poems that I've uh, read on other podcasts and things, and those yeah. are the ones that I like to share just to kind of keep it in people's brain, and mm-hmm. not only that, not saying that all of my work isn't powerful because it is, but just the time that we're in, as far as Mm -hmm. the George Floyd goals. And I live here Mm -hmm. in the city and state where that's happening Mm -hmm. currently. Mm -hmm. And then it's women's month. And then, you know, we had black history month. So Mm -hmm. I've been reading poems to go along with the themes of what's going on currently. Okay. Well, I I'd love to hear what you want to share with us. I would love to hear some of your poetry. Absolutely. So I'll read, I'll read Recollection from Unwanted Confessions Confirmed. And this poem, um, I'll let you and your viewers know that this poem may make people uncomfortable. Okay. And I don't feel sorry. I don't feel sorry only because I don't think that enough of us are awake Mm -hmm. about some of life's issues. Okay. So sorry, not sorry, because I want (laughs) you guys to wake up. Okay. Okay, recollection. The thought of one being misunderstood to the point that the light is shining, but the brain is still dim. My energy is not your energy. We did not swim in the same pool. What makes my money less creditable than the next? You are not my master and I am not your slave. Slave, you're not, am I? Master, am I not, are you? We bleed the same. Or have we become so dumb to the fact that our brain is like fried okra on Thanksgiving day? Hard on the outside, mushy on the inside. Sad. Facts. His neck was treated like a check. You played the system against him for eight minutes, 46 seconds, attempted to bounce back and collect more unreported taxes. Floyd's life is worth more than $464,433. Even the wife knew that. Singing Usher papers after the indictment only to play cat and mouse in your own entrapment, released on a $1 million bond and fled the state, murder with no justice and called a faulty case. Fast forward to the burning flames of America. You're black, I'm black, but you act like a white supremacist that doesn't give a damn about what makes me me. At least the term black supremacy contains the color of your skin. When it was time to think about how your end became your beginning, you backed out, scared. Even that was too much of a black fact. My black brother, don't forget that your mama was once labeled poor, which made your family systematically oppressed. Mama worked three jobs and daddy was there but wasn't present. See, I told you you wasn't all that in a bag of chips. You were black then, you're black now, and you'll be black when you wake your black ass up tomorrow. Stop the Michael Jackson Act. Racism injustice. Wilmington, North Carolina, 1898. Red Summer, 1919. Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1921. King's Assassination, 1968. Rodney King, 1992. Ferguson, Missouri, 2014. Baltimore, Maryland, 2015. My home city and state, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 2020. Did we forget to educate that thing we call a brain? Instantly smothered. Too caught up in being authority. Blue silence cold. You don't even see that your black is my black and they'll stand on your back once your black is active, 
actively fighting for what's right. George Floyd and justice for all. Growth outside the body demands irrefutable systematic modifications, yet keeping every existing person educated about race and justice change. I am my brother's keeper. Not every life matters until black lives matter. That last statement says, God is my keeper. I am my brother's keeper. Not every life matters until black lives matter. That's recollection from unwanted confessions confirmed. Wow. And I'll give you guys just a little bit about that poem. So mm-hmm. first off, I don't want anything, anybody to think that I'm racist of any kind mm-hmm. because I'm not. And I believe that all lives matter. I truly deep down in my soul, I believe that all lives matter. But my personal opinion and the fact about it is if all lives are going to matter, then African-American lives need to be in that all. Yep. And until it is, then all lives truly don't matter. I don't care what the constitution says. I don't care what any of these laws and rules say. We have seen for over 400 years or more that everyone is not equal. And it, it doesn't matter just that we have brown or black skin because even white people aren't treated equal because they're not treated like we're treated. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's not... I just don't want any of your listeners to think that I'm racist or anything like that because I'm truly not, but it is time for people to wake up. It is time for people to open their eyes. It is time for people to play their part Mm -hmm. and do what they can do to make change and not just talk about change, but rather be the change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Thank you for sharing that with us and for, you know, the courage to, to put all that to words and, and to share that with people. And I think that is critical to all this is, is for us to share openly and authentically and honestly. And, and I I think there's just so much that a lot of white people like myself don't know just because we don't know. (laughs) And and it doesn't make you bad because you don't know. Right. But, but when we, when we know, then we can, can live differently and do, do things differently. But I know several years ago, it was before the most recent situation, but I just went out to lunch with several of my friends of color from my Bible study group. And I, I forget which there was a, a, a tragedy that had happened in the news. And I'm sorry, I can't remember even what year it was right now, but I, I said, I just want to listen. I just want to hear whatever it is you want to tell me, whatever it is you think that a white person who doesn't know any better should know. And I just, I just listened for a couple hours and I, you know, if it's like if it hadn't have been like my closest friends, like godly women who I believe and, you know, where we've shared our lives with, it's like I almost wouldn't have believed some of the things that they told me because I'm like, I, it's just hard to believe that that happens <laughs> today, you know, right under my nose. But, um, it but that was such a gift that they gave to me to just be honest and to just say, look, this is what I deal with when I go into a store. This is what I fear for for my son you know, and just having that mother's perspective on the the safety of her son, you know, that she, he, his car had broken down in Atlanta at night and she's like, please don't call the cops. And, and he was just, he's just a good guy that just needed help. And um, just, you know, hearing these things from their perspective makes it all personal to me. You mm-hmm. know, it's not just something I read in the news. It's not just, it's not a political thing. It's like, no, these, these women are my friends. These are my fellow mamas. You know, we, we have the same mama's heart towards our sons. And, and that just breaks my heart to hear some of the things that they told me. So 
So well, thank exactly. you for, and for sharing that. I, I can't relate on a, a mother perspective because I'm not a mother, mm-hmm. but to think about all of the things that you've learned, all of the things that I know, all of the things that I've seen and the things that I currently see, it is kind of scary to want to bring a child in the world and just not know what, what, you know, mm-hmm. not know what type of direction your kid is going to go or, you know, that life is going to lead your kid in because let's be truthful. It doesn't matter how good you raise your kid inside your home. At the end of the day, they're going to meet peers. They have to go to school. They're going Mm -hmm. to meet people at the corner store going to get a a, a sucker, even if they're, you know, eight or nine years old. Some of those early on interactions are what create Mm -hmm. who we become. Right. And they kind of mold that. And so it's just scary to think about even bringing an African-American child in this world, mm-hmm. what kind of things are, is my child going to have to face? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, you know, I mean, just from a mom, I think any, any kind of child in any kind of situation is scary is, you know, they've well, described it as yeah. a part of your heart is out there walking around and I don't necessarily have control over everything that my kids encounter or, but yeah, yeah, I totally hear you on that. And I, we look for those opportunities to, to educate our children through experience and through, you know, I call it just, let's just do life together. <laughs> you know, let's just, yeah, yeah, just let's be together do. and be when, so my husband was in the air force. So we've moved around a whole lot. You know, we spend two years here and two years there. So anyway, and our time in the St. Louis, we were in the Illinois side, that area, our church, our schools, our neighborhood community, you know, everything was all just very, you know, it's a great kaleidoscope of colorful skin tones of all kinds. And so you just, nobody thought anything about it. It just wasn't a thing, you know, really. Mm -hmm. But my daughter's best friend, she got invited to her birthday party and she lived down the street and it was kind of a family party, you know, so it was a lot of family that were invited and the, the daughter whose birthday it was, was allowed to invite two friends from the neighborhood. So she invited my daughter and this other daughter, everybody else was family. And so it was like an all day thing. And, and my daughter comes home from the birthday party and I'm like, so how was it? You know, tell me what you did. Did you have fun? And, and she was like, oh yeah, it was great. You know, she talked about the food and she talked about the activities and all the fun things she did. And then she just kind of paused and she said, but, and I'm like, but, but what, what, but what, know, yeah, <laughs> she goes, well, mom, she kind of whispers, I was the only white person there. <laughs> and I was like, well, good. You should be the only white person in the room from time to time. I'm like, you know, you if know, your that- friend had come over and been with our family, she would have been the only dark person in the room. And that's great. That's okay. And so that was just really neat. I think to have that opportunity, you know, as a young child to just say, she noticed you know, a difference on her own. And just to say to her, that's awesome. That's, that's great. No, seriously. (laughs) And that will, that, that experience will forever live on with her. She'll never forget that experience for, you know, as many years. Mm -hmm. She'll never forget it because not often are, it doesn't matter if you're Asian, Hispanic, white, black, you know, I think that everyone deserves to be in a room full of someone that's not their same mm-hmm. race or their same culture, because we learn so much. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. learn so much about another ethnicity. You learn so much about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm sure that your daughter took some very valuable life lessons from it. And yeah. it would just help her. It, it mm-hmm. will, it, I'm, I'm really happy that she has that experience. I'm mm-hmm. really excited. Yeah, too. I, mm-hmm. so it's, it's interesting because if I'm in a situation and there's only one person of any, you know, minority or whatever, I don't really, 
think anything of it. But I did, when I was in college, I went with a friend of mine to his all black church. And I was very aware of the fact that I was the only white person there. But, you know, it only took me a minute or two to get over that and forget it. And then I just, I had a blast worshiping with them. It was just, it was a lot of fun. But I, you know, you are just aware of it. If I stepped into the room and, and just that I'm the only one thing kind of came over me, where if it was the reverse, I wouldn't think anything of, oh, that's the only Hispanic person or the only dark skinned yeah. person or the only Asian American person. You know, I, I wouldn't think of that. So I think it is, you know, just like you said, it's, it's good. It's healthy for all of us to have that experience where the tables are turned and we're the only one. <laughs> to know Absolutely. Like. And I just think it's cool to, you know, I don't really understand why people want to be prejudiced, why people want to not like another ethnicity or background or what have you, because there are some really, really cool people. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there are really just some amazing people from a, a completely different background oh, yeah. than I even understand. Mm -hmm. So, and I've learned so many things from just different people. I'm like friendly with everybody, you know, mm -hmm. so I don't yeah. have like a hatred bone in my body where I hate this person for the color of their skin, or I hate that person. That's never been me. Mm -hmm. And so I meet so many cool people being open right. to being diverse. The yeah. thing is you have to be open to being diverse. Mm -hmm. If you're not open to being diverse, you know, then you're not going to be mm -hmm. that person, you know, yeah. that gets the yeah. best experience out of being that only person in the room. Mm -hmm. We we spent a year in Korea too, like totally immersed in a completely different culture. And wow. I learned so much, grew so much, you know, met amazing people, you know, and it also made me appreciate some things about my home and my identity that I hadn't even noticed before. You know, it's just, you know, a fish doesn't know it's wet. It's always mm -hmm. lived in the water. But, you know, you right. go somewhere else, like we were in South Korea at a time when North Korea was kind of misbehaving a little bit. And I'm like, I will never take Canada for granted again. <laughs> They're so awesome to have a Northern neighbor that's not threatening me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> it was really a, an amazing experience just to have those connections with people. I think too often, especially when you drag politics and when you drag news into it, it's this us versus them mentality. Mm -hmm. And there, there is no us and there is no them. It's just all we. And it's when we do life together, when we have friends that are not from the same background that we are, you know, that's when it's not, it no longer is about a political issue or this thing or that thing in the news. It's about, these are my fellow human beings that I care about and I love, and this thing right. is hurting them and we need to fix it, you know? When building a resilient life, the first step Liz coaches people to take is to spend time daily with God. When you seek God consistently, he will show you the best next step for your journey. If you'd like a peek at how Elizabeth connects with God regularly, download her free prayer guide and journal at elizabethmyers.me forward slash prayer guide. You can now have the same journal Elizabeth uses every day and make it your own. That, you know, and that's, that can bring me to my point of sour lemonade. Because, mm -hmm. you know, sour lemonade is a constant reminder of keeping your loved ones close, regaining power and strength within yourself. And so I think that everything we're talking about as far as racial issues go and now, you know, COVID. So we were in the, the middle of a pandemic and epidemic at the same mm -hmm. time. And, you know, we weren't able to communicate with people. We weren't able to, you know, see our right. friends this, that, and the next thing. And they've kind of relaxed on some of the rules, but that still divides everybody. Mm -hmm. And now we're divided more than ever. You know, when we, when 
when the flu first came out, we weren't divided like this. When SARS came out, we weren't divided like this. When Ebola came out, and God knows that was deadly, Mm -hmm. we weren't divided like this. And so now the racial issue on top of COVID Mm -hmm. seems 10 times worse to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been a lot of compounding. It's not going to be, It's. I don't think that it'll ever be that organic meet somebody in public. Hey, we can learn each other to become friends. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't think that those interactions will just happen like that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that it'll all be web-based and that's sad to me Mm -hmm. because we'll never, we'll never get to come together as one if that's how it is. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, from my Christian worldview, looking at things, I just feel like that's a tactic of the enemy to keep us separated, to make us think that we're enemies of each other, because when we're busy fighting each other, we don't realize he's the real enemy. And I think that the real strength and power comes in the unity when we realize, you know, we are God's children and he's the enemy and stop blaming each other and put the blame where it belongs. But I think the enemy of our souls just tries to distract us by, by stirring up that division, by keeping us separated. And I think the antidote to that is to come together, to, to be deliberate, you know, even if we are separated physically. Thank God for the technology that we have and that we can at least connect this way. I know it's not the at same least. as being in person, but, but at least we, you know, we have a way to stay connected to people. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. And I just, I appreciate the the way that we can connect right now. Mm-hmm. Whoever came up with Zoom and all these other sites, you know, I just want to give them a round of applause yeah. because, you know, <laughs> yeah. it is really helping me out a lot yeah. and it's helping a lot of other people out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zoom was in the right place at the right time and Amazon free two-day shipping also. <laughs> oh my goodness. Amazon is just, man, I, I don't know. Amazon has went, went like skyrocket since you know, COVID, but yeah, it's like hey. movie theaters may shut down overnight, but Zoom and Amazon are doing well. So well, when we first had a lift here in Minnesota, our movies were 50 cents. Oh, really? And wow. we're like, man, it's COVID, you know, we don't really want to go, but man, you can't miss that good movie. Yeah. For 50 cents. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it, it was, it was a struggle. I didn't go to the movies, yeah. you know, I just opted out and, you know, stayed at home and d- did movies at home and stuff. But When I heard on the radio that they had 50 cent movies, oh, trust me, I was tempted. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I've been in some movie theaters that weren't all that sanitary even before COVID. (laughs) You know? I don't know. Yeah. If you don't mind, I like to read a a poem from Sour Lemonade. And this poem I wrote, it is a, a poem for my cousin who passed away last year due to COVID. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that this poem is really cool. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's it's written and things like that. So I'll just read it to you and your audience. It's called A Long Walk. Defining your life under a magnifying glass is to see the hidden pain, to feel the tragedies, to understand that you were not designed to remind anyone that your pain did not keep you behind and made you blessed. Blessed to the point when the doctor said yes, God said no, not yet. Me over my flesh is what I want you to remember. My children are a reflection of me, so help guide them to God and he'll lead them through the darkness. Inhale and exhale protection over them. Be a shoulder they can cry on. Be the ear that can listen. Breathe bravery and understanding down their spine. They are growing with time. 
My loving spirit, my bright soul, and my unapologetic attitude are the same things that molded this jewel. Crossing between two worlds to make sure you've made peace with the little things, God said, stop, take an intermission. Tania, just breathe. These are the things we'll never know she wanted to say because of COVID-19. First, it was two people at a time, then four a day, and still we're forced to be sane. But God but look at God, it quickly became possible for your family to say, we love you and pray. God had a better plan for my pain. He'll never make a mistake. So don't cry for me, rejoice with me. I'm blessed, less stressed and free on my long walk to heaven. Hmm. That's beautiful. That, um, that, that was really an outlet for me. Mm, yeah. Because I went to the hospital, uh, just a little backstory on it. I went to the hospital and I went to go see her because again, she's on her deathbed and, you know, and so I, some other family members were there and, you know, some of them said they had gone up to see her and things like that. And I went up and asked the, the nurse or the receptionist, you know, if I could be directed to a room. And she said, well, can't she just walk down here and see you? Mm. I, excuse me, it made me feel like the professor. Yeah. Why would you ask if my more than half dead cousin yeah. can walk down and see me after that nurse and that nurse knew exactly what was going on because she was the nurse who directed my other family to go and see her. Mm. And it was this police officer who actually came up to my family and said, Hey, I'm sorry that you guys weren't able to go up there. I seen the interaction. She was very rude to you guys. I found a way that you can see your cousin. So he mm. bought a tablet sort of thing. And mm. he told us the website to go to and things like that. And we were able to see her. We just downloaded it on all of our phones and we were able to see her. Mm. But, and that's where the God quickly made it possible for us to say, yeah. we love you and pray came from. Mm. And the two days and the four days, that's really how it was. They told some family members it was two a day. Then they said it was four a day. And then when I went there, she magically could walk downstairs. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it was really just hurtful and really mm. painful. And I like that, that I like that poem a lot because if you notice, it was almost like she was talking back. Mm -hmm. And I didn't plan that poem like that, Liz. I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't. This was one of the poems that I wrote literally at like midnight the night before mm. or the, the you know technically the morning of mm -hmm. her funeral mm. and that's because there was so much pain and just hurt there and I had spoken to her not long before that and so that poem just it, it really touches home for me only because that's how I would want someone to feel about my children if I left yeah. this earth you know and mm -hmm. it just touches on so many different levels in someone else's life yeah yeah, it does. I'm I'm really sorry for your loss. That's really tragic. I can see how already God is bringing beauty out of that and and bringing healing, you know, bringing you through healing. And like we talked about before, that's a long journey, not to say you're already arrived there, but that you're able to help and to lead not just your family through that, who, you know, they were there too. They experienced a lot of the same injustices and, and miscommunications and rudeness that you did, but also leading others of us who, who aren't a part of your family or who weren't there that day, but who have burdens and struggles and griefs. And you can help 
lead us through that and process through that. And, and I love that. It's almost as if she, she's praying, you know, like you said, about her children. And I, it's just really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, yeah, no problem. Another thing that I thought was really beautiful was the fact that a cop came up to a, a Caucasian mm -hmm. cop came up to us and gave us the website and acknowledged the fact that he had seen that she was rude. Why is that important to me? Because as an African-American, I'm not going to say that I don't trust police or I don't trust the system, but a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. And for that interaction to happen, just like your daughter's interaction, for that interaction to happen, it was powerful to me mm -hmm. because not all white people are wrong and not all black people are wrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it, it, it's just, I want people to know that Number one, you can't sit at two tables. Either you're going to sit at the devil's table, or you're going to sit at God's table. And that's a choice you have to make through your life. Mm -hmm. And number two is that everybody should remember that their cup is not half empty, but it's half full. And that's the way you'll get through life is by remembering that your cup is not half empty, but half full. That's beautiful wisdom. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think we're going to end right there just because that was really good. But I want to give our listeners an opportunity to find you and connect with you. I know they would love to read more of your poems and uh, your books and you have a website. So if you could please just share where they can connect with you and what um, things that you have to offer them. Okay, well, you can reach me through my website, blackbutterflybeauties.com. That's how you can get added to the news list and things like that. If you would like to buy my books in the ebook, Kindle, or like cell phone format, you can buy them from Amazon. It's Unwanted Confessions Confirmed and Sour Lemonade. Otherwise, if you would like a paperback copy, because I'm having a little bit of hard time uploading that on Amazon, you can get those directly through me. The signed copies are $15. The non-signed are $10. Um, and you can just contact me through my Facebook page, which is Lizzie Brown, or you can contact me on my Instagram page, which is beauty, B-E-A-U-T-I-I 28. And, uh, you can instant message me if you would like me to send you a copy and we can work things out that way. Okay, great. Thank you. And I will put all those links down into the show notes so that if someone's listening to this while they're driving or something, they can get home later and click on it when it's safe to do so. But thank you so much for, for the gift that you've given to all of us today and, and sharing your heart and sharing uh, the beauty that's come out of your trauma and your own personal grief. And thank you for, for leading us through that. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Have a blessed day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with Liz Myers. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by the guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. To learn more and download your free guide to Liz's top 20 Resilient Life Hacks, go to resilientlifehacks.com. Subscribe now so you never miss the life hacks you need to live the life you want.